0: Welcome to the Inclusion and Progress podcast, where we give you the ideas, actions, and insights to help you build more equity at your workplace and in the world at large. I'm your host, Kay Fabella, international expert on diversity, equity, and inclusion, a Filipino American living in Spain, and your guide in navigating this DEI journey. Having worked with teams at companies such as Philips, the IMF, Red Hat, PepsiCo, and more. I know firsthand that the work of inclusion only works when everyone has a seat at the table. Regardless of your personal entry point into this conversation, your race, ethnicity, gender, ability, age, sexual orientation, country of origin, or educational background, we all have a role to play in creating inclusion for all. And it starts with us having conversations we need to create the change we wish to see so let's dive into today's episode.
1: Okay, so today's episode is going to be slightly different. I wanted to give you all A little bit of behind the scenes of how a podcast and how these episodes are put together as we're absorbing all of what we're hearing from our client partners, from our discussions with stakeholders, as well as even what we're thinking about internally about putting a lot of what we're seeing and learning into practice on our own team here at IIP. One of the things that we do regularly when we're preparing content for you as our audience is we look back on the episodes that we've heard the most from you about, the ones that have gotten the most downloads, the most shares, and we regularly try to revisit to see if there's anything that we can update now that we've hit over 100 episodes on the podcast, which is wild to think about. So with that said, we thought that it would be really cool to review what we've seen and heard and learned as a DEI consultancy over the past few years, I thought what would be a cool thing for us to do would be for you to get a chance to hear from the team who I say often helps me put these episodes together. And so with that said, I wanted to take a moment to introduce my colleague, Cecilia, who will be conducting an interview of yours truly today, which is going to be very exciting. Before we get into the context of why we wanted to record this particular episode today. I wanted to just hand it off to Cecilia for her to share a little bit more about her role and her experience here on Team IIP.
2: Hi, Kay. I am very excited to be doing this with you today. Hi, everyone at the Inclusion in Progress podcast. I am Cecilia Bermio. When Kay speaks about being a fully remote team, I think I'm a prime example that you can't get more remote than... Where I am, I'm currently in the Philippines, specifically in Manila. I've been with Team IIP since 2021. And as of this month, if you're listening to this live, it's August, 2023, it will have been two years officially since I've joined Team IIP. While preparing for this episode, I actually just realized that it's officially two years, so that's crazy. For sure. And I know Celia and
1: I often go back and forth about this, how she's become a Swiss army knife. She's seen the different evolutions of team IIP, but her current role is content creator and content coordinator, basically my right-hand person for making sure that we produce really top quality episodes for you that are not just highly researched, but really, really well thought out and with coherent arguments because yours truly can ramble <laughs> when she wants to. With that said, as part of our process, as I referred to earlier, Cecilia and I were going back through our most popular episodes and consistently ranked in the top three is, and it's so funny to think about now, but we recorded that almost a year ago. And that was our first full month off ever as IIP in July of 2022. So you can go back and listen to that episode. We'll put a link in the show notes for you to check out that episode if you haven't already. What we love about it is it was provocatively called psychological safety for DEI practitioners and why we're taking a month off. We thought it would be really cool for us to share a bit more about what we've learned since that episode, feedback we've heard from folks, as well as why we continue to think it's a very relevant conversation for those of us who continue to work in this industry and continue to lead equity and inclusion in our workplaces. Without further ado, I'm going to hand it off to Cecilia. I am in your very capable hands, interviewer for today's episode. Let's go ahead and dive into what we've learned about psychological safety for DEI practitioners, why it's important and how we're applying it, not just with our own client partners, but also internally
2: here at IIP. Whenever you're ready, let's dive in. Pretty much different for me to be sitting on this side of the podcast. As Kay was speaking of earlier, the episode that we're referring to as episode 92, this was released back in June 2022, talking about how we were going to be taking a month off from working as a team and trying to focus on ourselves. Kay, why do you think the episode resonates so much with our listeners?
1: It's a great question, mainly because we were just trying to be very honest about where we were at It was 2022. It was two years into the pandemic, two years after the murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, that sparked the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement and really centered the DEI conversation within companies. It was a really tough realization, even as open as we are as a team with the importance of well-being, setting boundaries, mental health, to realize that we were on the road to burnout ourselves. A lot of us putting those thoughts out there was accompanied by the fact that I was also hearing from so many other stakeholders, the collective feeling of just exhaustion. I think it resonated for one, the time that it was in, because I think everybody, I was going to say was tired, but continues to be tired, mainly because it is such a taxing field. As we've shared on other episodes, being a DEI practitioner requires you to lead with many hats and learn how to adapt to different situations very quickly. But I think the other important piece there is DEI practitioners spend so much time if they're able to have the budget and resources to continue to affect change in their organizations. They spend most of their time actually actively trying to create psychological safety for others, but they often neglect themselves. Obviously, we were learning that in real time ourselves as a team. I think the reason we continue to hear people Share things with me about, hey, that episode was really, really helpful. How has that time off been for you? Because I think everybody gets it. Everybody knows that the last few years have been challenging in multiple ways. And bringing that conversation to the forefront, I think, will never really go away as long as we continue to do this work. As we share in our white papers, as we share often on the podcast, DEI really is about everybody utilizing their different strengths and natural talents and bringing those things to the table rather than it all falling on one singular person or one singular team to lead all the work, because that's just a one-way ticket to burnout anyway. And over time, it won't make the mission of the work that we try to engage in sustainable. I think it's all of those factors. I'm really glad that we get to put an ellipsis to the conversation today.
2: Yeah, for sure. I've heard you speak of this emotional labor that DEI practitioners have with starting from the peak of the pandemic back in 2020 and then everything that was sort of happening with George Floyd and the rise of the Black Lives Matter movement, people really speaking up about their mental health. So, when you speak of being honest with where our team was in the midst of all of this, I kind of wanted to go back and ask why is it all important to you? Why is mental health and burnout and focusing on company culture so important to you? This is such a great question.
1: And especially for those of you who are just catching up with us on the podcast now, I had a similar story. One of my very first experiences working for a company was. A critical factor in my own mental health being affected. The fact that I was at the time the youngest person and the fact that I was in an environment where psychological safety, vulnerability, I mean, a lot of these terms hadn't really entered into definitely not our social vernacular, so even less so in a corporate environment. And even though I didn't experience any direct microaggressions or I was quite lucky with my coworkers, I still felt this very intense pressure to have to keep up with an unsustainable pace and felt ashamed to the point that I couldn't even ask for help, that I wasn't able to keep up with the people around me. I just kept pushing. And because I didn't know my limits at the time, I was in my early 20s straight out of college or university. That led to my first significant experience with burnout. It's one of those things where you're able to look back on it and realize that a big part of me not being able to share that I was struggling was an indicator of a cultural issue within not just that organization, but the larger company culture that we're currently navigating even today. So that's really where if I had different vocabulary, and if I had known earlier on in my career, that what I was facing was a lack of psychological safety, it would have helped empower me to one stay at the organization, but also to be able to ask for help when I needed it. And that really without knowing it became a catalyst for me later on in my career, flash forward to founding Inclusion in Progress. There's a very famous quote by Archbishop Desmond Tutu where he says something to the effect of, when you see so many people drowning in the river, at some point you have to go upstream to see who's throwing them in. And that was essentially what Inclusion in Progress became. Even though my personal entry point into the conversation was mental health, it was an indicator for me of a larger, more, systemic cultural issue around equity, around inclusion, around how we talk about who we are and how we show up at work that ultimately also affects who we are and how we perform. For me and for this team, I think we've been really grateful that we've gotten the chance to partner with stakeholders who not just believe in talking about these things openly, but also are actively working to lead cultural change in their organizations in a way that they don't see people for their performance or productivity and how they contribute and what their output is in an organization and rather see that if they're okay, if they're well, if they're cared for, that affects how they show up and how effective they are in their roles. They're not two separate things. So that's a long way of saying I got into it from a very personal place, but you and I will remember this. There were so many people when we said, hey, we're going to take the month of July off. Every single one of our client partners was
2: like,
0: good for you. That's so exciting.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. I remember they were encouraging us even, which came to a surprise to us because we were really thinking that they would be upset that we were going to be taking time away from our engagements with them. But instead, we got this support.
1: (laughs) Exactly. And I think that is an indicator, again, of the good spirit and the sense of camaraderie that we've been lucky to find in this work, but also the fact that a lot of the same people who are still resonating listening to this episode and the episode that we were looking at at episode 92 from last year about our month off, they're very aware of the need for psychological safety and time off and rest. Rest feels like the most radical act that you can ask for now if you're engaging in
2: equity and inclusion work. It's funny, Kate, because I'm only now realizing that Inclusion in progress appeared, let's say, in the world when it needed it the most in a sense that when the pandemic hit, mental health wasn't really in the forefront of requirements for a company to be able to run efficiently or run in a way that would encourage their people to take ownership of their roles in their companies you spoke earlier about how prior to the pandemic there is this idea that people needed to check themselves at the door before coming into work that they couldn't bring their whole selves to work with your own experience with burnout how do you think this has shaped you as a leader
0: oh
1: we're getting deep today cecilia (laughs) (laughs) obviously the company is under my name and and everybody knows my voice now. you <laughs> have been listening to this podcast for a while, but I really think it has been such a collaborative effort with the likes of you and our other team members and our different iterations, because really the idea of equity and inclusion for me, leadership is bolstered when it's shared and not when there's one figurehead at the forefront, because we all are lifted up by the people around us. And that's something that again, maybe I'm a Pollyanna, maybe I'm a super idealist, but I genuinely believe that when you are in an environment where you feel supported and psychologically safe, it allows you to perform better. And obviously, there's studies on this that we've covered on the podcast before. There's places that we know we can absolutely refer you to if you're looking for the stats behind it. But I know that to be true from my lived experience of what we've been able to create here internally. And as much as it can feel challenging to do that sometimes where of course the final decision comes on me as the person leading Inclusion in Progress, as the primary consultant who's still doing a lot of the in-person or online work with our client partners. There's a reason why I say we, because I don't believe that DEI is owned or should be owned by one particular consultancy because each of us brings something to the table. I don't believe that DEI work or how we create stronger company cultures that are more equitable and fair for everyone belongs to one country or one culture or one nationality. It really does depend on all of us. In terms of this idea of checking ourselves at the door, again, you mentioned IIP for the times that it was created in. I actually created Inclusion and Progress in the first place was because for a little bit more background on my story, I'm originally from the United States. My parents are originally from the Philippines, which is why Celia and I have this connection. <laughs>
2: yep, and island, girl way. <laughs> island
0: girls the Island
1: girls. I now call Spain home and I've been here since 2010. Of course, that gives me a very interesting perspective on not just how the world is changing and how the world works, but also how each of us see work and how each of us engage with work and seek out opportunities, regardless of where we are physically in the world. The original intention behind inclusion and progress was the intersection between DEI, cross-cultural consulting, and of course, remote work, because at the time, pre-pandemic, again, this was a very different time, we weren't really considering the fact that equity and inclusion and representation, hiring more women, hiring more non-binary talent, hiring more disabled folks, hiring more people of color or cultures or countries that weren't traditionally represented in larger workplaces it all wasn't really thought of as part and parcel with remote opportunities. It was still very much a, you gotta clock into the office, you've gotta show up and I gotta be able to see what you're doing. I was really trying to bring that more to the forefront because I'd seen not just from my own experience as a remote business owner, but also working with clients and working with different companies at that point, how powerful it was when you gave more opportunities to people to work flexibly. And then, of course, the pandemic happened, which we all know really brought that conversation to the forefront. It's been really fascinating to watch even the conversation shift to remote, hybrid, completely backtracking, work from home, choosing work from anywhere, work remotely, work from different countries, from different stretches, and seeing how different companies are adapting to that on a daily basis. When it comes to checking ourselves at the door, I think the most valuable thing that we can look back on from that time is we were literally seeing people's homes when we were working remotely or forced to work from home for those of us who could we saw dogs we saw tiktok videos where families were dancing with their cats or their kids we saw how people were navigating the different stages of isolation we were really in each other's faces there's no way that you could separate who you were at the door and that was something that i always believed in but i think it was something that we all physically <laughs> experienced in our bones on a very deep level back in 2020. My hope is for anybody who is engaging in either DEI work or company culture work that not only do we remind people of the fact that, hey, we actually saw what we were able to do when not just when we were working remotely, but when we were more empathetic and compassionate towards our colleagues and our bosses' circumstances. It actually created more opportunities for people that may have been traditionally left at the door by allowing us to work remotely. This idea of checking yourself in at the door will refer back to one of our other popular episodes on professionalism and culture fit, being the enemies of DEI. So please check that out when you can. The important thing to remember there is that this paradigm shift is not as simple as going back to the way things were. It's about a yes and acknowledging The fact that not only have we all learned that there is more to each other than just our role and our responsibility, we can now more fully see one another as people. And that's something that's not going to change. We're seeing that in not just the remote work conversation, the forced returns to offices that we're seeing in some cases, but we're also seeing it as a must have for a lot of our younger generations who are working their way up in the workplace, who see that as non negotiable for them with their future or current employers. It's an ongoing conversation, but I think the lesson here really is we happen to be sitting at the right intersection at the right time. My hope is that we continue to see that all of those different lenses, cross-cultural, DEI, and remote work are not separate conversations for changing company culture, but rather yes ands that we can take forward with us.
2: Thank you, Kay. For sure. This paradigm shift during the pandemic affected all of us. I just wanted to highlight as well that when you spoke of not one person being in charge of DEI, we've actually seen our clients say the same thing. And it's been very encouraging for us. And this is reflected in the white paper that we just released and the executive roundtable that we held. Since our first episode about taking a break last year, what do you think is the biggest change that happened? And how has this affected the way that you engage or that we engage as a team with clients? I would say not feeling like we
1: have to react with urgency to everything is huge. We all felt like we were firefighting. I think I can speak a collective we for you and I, but also on behalf of the team because there just some, seemed to be so many different challenges that people were facing, were looking for guidance and leadership with. We really wanted to just show up and be of service and be of help to people. But the fact that the conversation has now evolved to be more focused on well-being and taking care of our colleagues and our people in a different way than maybe, say, pre-pandemic, that advice also applies to us. And I think with how restorative the time away that we experienced last year was, It's now become an ongoing practice for us. Not only do I tell clients, hey, we're going to be gone in July because we're taking the month off, but it's also a time for us to reflect. It's time for us to get away. Personally, for me, it's my birthday month and it's nice to (laughs) have time to decompress, to journal, to get outdoors, to engage in different non-work activities that don't require me being in front of a screen. That's a practice that I think will not just one carry forward, but also to try to carry that sense of we're in this for the long haul it's in our name the reason why it's called inclusion in progress because it's ongoing work you don't have to burn yourself out for the sake of feeling like you have to meet the need and every single point in time because it's not all on you it's a collective effort and we can only work collectively together at our best when each of us are individually rested and well and able to make the best decisions I really do want to not just take the practice of time off forward, but also put into practice a lot of what we already talk about internally as a team, which is managing mental health, sharing when we're struggling, showing up and being the stronger person when somebody's down and needs a little bit of support, but doing that in a more conscientious way than I think maybe we had been up until last year.
2: For sure, Kay. And we've learned quite a lot together as a team and personally in our own individual lives and with that with everything that we bring together on our friday calls when we're just hanging out or on our monday calls when we're getting ready for the start of the week how do you think both those personal and professional experiences can help like-minded leaders and team members currently listening to the podcast
1: absolutely when we're applying this what we hope for those of you who are listening and whether you're running a similar consultancy model or you're engaging in DEI work or your own team, whatever their official title is, is struggling with burnout in some way, how do you acknowledge the hard stuff and how do you create a place where you're able to have conversations more openly about what it is that each of you needs and that you cultivate the self-awareness that each individual needs to be able to ask for what they need when they need it. One of the ways that we do this is We have our Friday wrap-up calls where we're talking about everything under the sun to give ourselves a little bit more understanding of each other's personal context so that we know how to engage and communicate with one another in a work capacity when Monday rolls around. We also are sharing our Friday stand-ups and our twist thread, and we'll share one thing we're proud of from the week, one thing that was a lesson learned, which could be good or bad, either personally or professionally. And one thing that we're planning on doing that weekend for our mental health. It's really cool to actually go back through that. I don't know if Cecilia, if you've looked back through it recently, but you can see a lot of really cool lessons and you can see our evolution as a team, that's something that whether it's a small team or a large team or a large company that can be practiced everywhere. A lot of people approach the conversation about trying to lead a company culture Assuming that it's an immovable, static, abstract thing, but it really is individual opportunities, behaviors, interactions that shape the culture collectively. So even if one person says, hey, I'm struggling today, if they feel safe to do so, here's what I think I need. Here's when I know I'll be back. And here's what I would like to ask for support from from you as my boss, you as my team member. Even if we start with that as individuals, that can have such a profound impact that we may not see in that moment, but it's because somebody raised their hand and said, Hey, this is what's happening for me in a very honest way. And that has a ripple effect in my experience and not just with the clients who we've engaged with, but also for us as a team. For those of you who are leading teams who you can tell are struggling, there's a million ways that you can break your heart every day. Sometimes it's not about trying to solve everything. because. None of us can do that on our own, but it's about creating the space for you to all openly say, hey, I'm not okay today, but why don't we just hold space for one another? That's a really simple thing to do and more people are craving it now, given the times that we live in more than ever. Whoever can lead that, it doesn't have to be a huge gesture or a big statement. Sometimes it's just showing up and that's the most powerful thing for creating psychological safety in a team and in an organization, I think.
2: Thank you, Kay. Definitely one of the things that I've learned in Team IIP is that I'm safe here. <laughs> UK has really fostered a, an environment where I don't have to doubt myself when I'm going through something. I'll always be supported no matter what I go through. My last question for UK would be why do you think Team IIP will continue to take annual breaks? Because we need it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um, But jokes aside, because rest is and feels like such a skill, especially in a work environment where there's an emphasis very much placed on how we show up, how we perform, what we produce. Rest is a skill set to be cultivated and to be protected. There's nothing that is quite like coming back from time away or holiday vacation, even a long weekend or just fully disconnecting on an airplane mode day (laughs) for those of us who are device oriented. It is really, really valuable just to tune out the noise for a little while and pour into yourself and whatever that looks like for you. Obviously, we know that not everybody has the privilege of taking a month off. Not everybody has the privilege to rest in this way because of a multitude of different factors and choices. But where you can create that space for yourself to just be, none of us are machines. I think one of my favorite quotes that I apply personally is we're human beings, not human doings. (laughs) And I think it's just a good reminder for us that yes, our work is important. Yes, our roles are important. Our sense of identity and how we show up in the world and how we're recognized by others within a workplace and within our families, within our communities is important, but we cannot show up as that best version of ourselves if we're not regularly taking time to rest, disconnect, to recharge our batteries, to not have to pour from an empty cup every single time. We'll definitely continue. I'm also encouraging the practice of mental health days as Cecilia can attest, <laughs> which is a little bit less invasive than taking an entire month off. I know Cecilia has also taken a couple as well. <laughs>
2: yep (laughs)
1: oh we need it oh we need it but unlike medical professionals or brain surgeons or heart surgeons as urgent as our work feels it's a privilege to be able to say that you can walk away and come back and actually offer better perspectives to people it's the reason why even in how we've structured our business we only take on so many clients a year because we'd rather go wider and deeper rather than spreading ourselves too thin And so we're taking that same approach that we apply to our services and our client engagements to creating active rest for ourselves, even in the work that we do. So we take on one quarterly goal. We look at our content one quarter at a time. We look at, well, what do we want to do? Let's host a roundtable. Because we are hearing so many people wanting to engage with this conversation about remote work and hybrid and wanting to learn from one another, but they don't know where to turn. We're engaging with these things one on one, and one at a time, because rather than trying to take on everything, (laughs) it's also encouraging to know that not only are we in this for the long haul, but each one of our contributions is actually meaningful because we show up rested and well. That is a lesson that we hope to take forward into not just this larger conversation on psychological safety and company culture as the years go on and inclusion and progress grows, but also that we hope that for those people listening who whether you're past clients, because we know some of you are engaging with these episodes as well, maybe future partners or folks who have just been our OG longtime listeners. We really do hope that you are taking care of yourself, that you're creating space for your own mental health, well-being, your ability to just unplug for a little while and recharge and rejuvenate yourself so that all the people who actually do depend on you Can rely on you to show up as that best version of yourself because there's nothing more important than you being well. That's why I think this episode has been particularly important and been such a pleasure to record with you, Cecilia. But also, I think it won't be the last conversation we have about this on
2: the podcast. It definitely will not be the last conversation that we have about it ever. (laughs) And I think that will definitely lead into another podcast episode. I also wanted to highlight one last thing about episode 92 which you can find the link to in the show notes, you highlighted back then finding moments of joy. I really do believe that in the past year, Team IP has been more aware of this and has been celebrating not just our huge wins as a company, but our little ones as well, and especially the ones that we encounter in our personal lives. This will definitely be a moment of joy that I hold on to. Okay, so thank you very much. And thank you so much to our listeners.
1: Celia, you are a natural. Thank you so much for engaging in this conversation. And for those of you who have been following along, we as always appreciate your continued support for IIP, for Inclusion and in Progress and what we do as part of our ongoing effort to make sure that you continue to have the best resources to engage in equity and inclusion work. You can check out our website, for any updated resources, especially our inclusioninprogress.com forward slash learn page for our most up-to-date white papers, where you can learn everything that we're engaging with with our client partners, as well as the most up-to-date research on what it is that people are doing when it comes to company culture, hybrid work, and leading equity and inclusion for all. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next time on Inclusion in Progress.